I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. And today we have a very special guest back with us by very popular demand. We have Sister Pat Gunn with us. How are you doing? Oh my goodness, I'm so glad to be back. I hear tell you guys have been calling my name. Absolutely. Oh, glad to be <laughs> very. back. Glad to be back. Yes, our listeners absolutely loved your episode. It's one of our highest viewed episodes we've ever had. Wow. So I know they, know they love you for sure. Maybe you should start your own podcast. That's one true. Day. Well, now, you know, that is a good idea. I think now that I have the feel of what this podcast business is all about, I think I can come on in and do something. So, yes, we're thinking about starting a podcast uh, called uh, Sister Pat a conversation about lifestyle. So we'll see what happens, you know, where people can interact and they can ask me questions. And I'd love to have exchange with a new generation. So we'll see. Absolutely. Well, we would love to listen to that for sure. So let yeah. us know if you <laughs> I will. if you decide to go through with it. But uh, yeah. you have a lot going on right now. You've got the Susie King Taylor house that you're working on. Would you like yes. to tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I think what we're doing around here is making good trouble. So we have a few things going on, but the most um, important of all right now is the Susie King Taylor application so that we can rename the Unknown Square. And so we've done the first part of it successfully where we got John C. Calhoun off of the burial ground of um, Stranger Cemetery, actually. And then two blocks away is Whitfield, which is where the enslaved are. But we got the name John C. Calhoun off of the square. It's now, quote, unquote, unnamed. So now we want to go back in and we want to put Sue King Taylor on the square. Um, the application process is over. May 15th was the last of that. And so now the city council is going to decide sometime this summer by a vote as to what they're going to name it. And so we're getting out there with a campaign to say, name her square, hashtag name her square, so that people can send letters in. They can go online at our website. It's uh, www.centerforjubilee.com. There's a petition there, and you can sign it up and uh, let your city council people know hey, we want to have the first uh, woman named Square ever since the creation of Savannah in 1733, as well as the first African-American, and I think that's very important. I mean, if you do the math, you've got 23 squares, and uh, 21 of them are named for white males. Uh, one is named for Yamacraw, and we think it's time for a woman. So <laughs> uh, name her Square, uh, Taylor Square is our first project. And we kind of got two steps ahead of that by deciding if we were to get Susie King Taylor to have her own square. I mean, after all, the street, street that runs right in front of the square is Taylor Street, so appropriately so. But if we were to get that square named Taylor Square in honor of her, we thought people would say, well, where do I get more information? So we decided to open up the Susie King Taylor Center for Jubilee 
reconciliation and healing. And uh, we're excited. We're having our grand opening on the 28th of May, and we are going to house the Savannah Gallery on Slavery and Healing inside of this beautiful uh, two-story Victorian house built in 1905. And so we want people to come if they'd like to come by or know that we're officially open on the 28th, and it's located at 422 West 43rd, right there on the corner of Victory Drive and ML King. So, yeah, we want people to come by and see the exhibit. Our first exhibit, exciting again, is called The Unbelievable Liberators. And this is an art exhibit uh, with 65 pieces of visual art on Japanese-American and African-American soldiers that help free the victims of the Holocaust. And so we've got that exhibit coming. So that's the kind of flavor we're doing. We're saying, what would Susie King Taylor be doing if she were here in the 21st century? I think she'll be educating people as an educator, as a Civil War veteran, first nurse. I think she was all about empowerment. So when people come to the house, they get a chance to see the exhibit, they get a chance to come on the patio and have some food ways with us. So we're excited. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're stirring the pot with some good trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a gorgeous house, y'all. You definitely need to come by and see it. Also, right on the corner across the street is one of the best fish sandwiches in Savannah Shabazz. So if yes. you're if you're over there, you definitely got to stop by. Um, mm-hmm. Also, we have exciting news because we're going to be partnering with Sister Pat uh, to be bringing you guys, actually, the Most Haunted City on Earth, the series. We're going to do the pilot episode on the Gullah Geechee culture, uh, and that is in partnership with Visit Savannah. So we have a lot of really fun stuff coming up. Absolutely. Yes, and Sister Pat has definitely been just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to getting this episode together. So you guys are not going to want to miss out on that, but... We um we wanted to bring you back because I feel like we didn't get to get, I mean, we can't in an hour in general cover no. everything that you have going on in your brain. But, yes. you know, uh, is there any stories in particular that you've wanted to share with us that you didn't get to share last time? Well, I would love to share stories that I experienced in my own family as opposed to people sharing a story with me and look what happened to me. This is what I experienced, and so I shall never forget it. My mother um, was uh, the seventh child in her family. She had eight siblings. She was number seven. Um, I am number seven, and my grandmother was number seven. So it's three sevens in our family. Seven in numerology is a sign of good luck. So I want to just share that out of the um, other siblings, she had six sisters, And none of them had children except my mother and a younger sister. So each of those um, other sisters became our aunties. They decided that they would adopt one of us as godmothers. So I'm not sure if our community knows about godmothers, but that's the person that if something happens to your parents, they take care of you. So we had aunties that were also godmothers. I want to let you know that as they got older and went into somewhat of a hospice The place they went to was not in Savannah. It was in Claxton. It was a nursing home down there, which I shall not call the name of. Anyway, each time one of the sisters got older and uh, ready to transition, of course they call family members and say to them, 
uh, you need to go see so-and-so because she's very low. Very low means you don't have much time on the earth. So we get a call. My mother gets the call. Come to Claxton. Your sister is very low. She is what they call traveling. Traveling means you're already transitioning to the other side, of course, and so you should come before I travel. I'm giving you notice. So my mother goes there, and she's done it so many times before when people pass, so I drive her there. I drive her. We go to the parking lot. I said, Mom, you know, we've done this before. I think you should go in alone, and I'll just stay here in the parking lot. So I sat in the parking lot, and as I sat there, I heard this engine idling. And so I thought, well, someone's inside. They're just waiting for someone to come out. The engine kept idling, and we just sat there. It began to get dark around 6.30, you know. We call it dust dark. And uh, I began to look up in the sky, and I noticed there were clouds forming. I'm thinking, it's rain coming. Those clouds began to swirl into an actual art form, and that art form was the actual image of a chariot. And so I looked up in the sky and actually saw it forming. And as I began to form, I decided I think that I need to check around me to other people in the parking lot to see if they see the same thing I do. Well, I got out of the car. I went next to me. The guy said, no, I don't see anything up there. I went to another person, same thing. So I just got back in the car, and it began to, like, just just up in the air, like I'm looking at this actual chariot. It was huge. And so my mother came outside. She said, Lord, have mercy. I'm not going to see my sister anymore. That's the last time I'm going to see her. And so I said, Mom, I don't want you to think I'm going crazy. But do you see something up in the sky? And she looked like it wasn't a big deal. She said, yes. I said, what do you see? She said, I see a chariot. I said, you see a chariot? No one else sees a chariot? Just the two of us? Yes. I said, why do we see a chariot? She said, the chariots always come to pick my sisters up. Amazing. That is amazing. We get back to Savannah, 35, 40-minute drive. The phone rings, and they say, she's gone. Sister has traveled home. And my mother confirmed, yep, that's that old chariot coming to pick her up. Amazing experiences that I saw with my own eyes. Wow. Can't say real or make-believe. I saw it myself. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I wonder if it wasn't your family coming to pick her up as well, Mm -hmm. you know, because we've talked about that a few times on the show where a lot of times when people are about to pass, they'll start seeing their loved ones uh, showing up there to escort them to the other side. So I wonder if they they were doing a really grand gesture for her, (laughs) but... Well, you know, uh, we definitely believe that. Uh, Even when uh, my father was very ill, and we have 10 uh, siblings, and they're all over the world, and my father knew he was ill and traveling, so I did not know he was such in such an ill state. I said, well, you're getting ready to go have surgery. I'll stay with you. I was living in Atlanta. And uh, go with the, you to the surgery. He said, no, no, no. You go back to Atlanta and get yourself together because I just come from an international trip, and you just come see me on the weekend, and then you can stay for the whole month for the recovery. Oh, my goodness, that's a good deal. Well, I think he intentionally sent me home so that I would not be there when he transitioned because we were extremely close. Anyway, I went home. I'm getting everything together. 
my other brothers and sisters are coming in from across the country and doing what they have to do. But I'm like, well, you guys do the surgery. I'm going to do the recovery. Anyway, I went to bed that night, and around 3 in the morning, I heard these three um, knocks. I heard it again. And I just turned over and went back to sleep, but I did hear it. Um, about maybe an hour later, the phone rings, and my brother is calling me from Cologne, West Germany. And he said, are you up? I said, I'm up now. What's going on? And he said, Dad just passed. And I said, I know. And he said, did someone already call you? I said, no. As he was traveling, he came by to let me know he's gone. Because in our family, there is a tradition of getting the knock. And you're going to hear it as they're leaving. And so here he is in Germany calling me. I'm in Atlanta, and I heard the knock. I talked to some of my other brothers and sisters. I had another one that was in Minot, North Dakota, in the Air Force. And he got the knock as well. Amazing. Wow. So there are things like that that are just spiritual that you cannot have a medical person explain. Um, when the doctors say you tell you that your family member has like 24 hours, 48 hours, um, my mother's doctor said you must gather your siblings together and family. She has less than 36 hours. I told the doctor, doctor, you do not know my mother. Until all of her children show up, she's not leaving this earth. And so we had to contact the Red Cross for one of them that was in um, military, the one that was in Air Force. He, at that time, he was some cold place. I think it was Iceland. We had to contact the, the Red Cross. We had to get everyone together. And it takes a while sometimes when you have family members. They have to get themselves together, get their flight. And so I put the call out there. I'm telling you, a week and a half later, my last brother who was in the Air Force came in, and he stood at the bottom of my mother's um, uh, bed. Um, she was already in a coma, but the doctors told us, isn't this amazing that the last sense that the creator takes from you is your art of hearing? And so he stood at the bottom of the bed, and he said, Mama, I am here. And he began to sing because we have a tradition also when someone passes away, the elders go to them, and we sing them away. We pray softly. We sing. And he began to do that. He said, if you know I'm here, I'm going to squeeze your hand. Just squeeze it back. And she did. And 10 minutes later, she transitioned. Wow. The doctors are looking at us like we just can't believe this. We knew she was expiring. Her, her kidney was failing and all of these things. And I'm looking at the doctor the whole time thinking, again, it is the strong will of my mama. She is not leaving until all of her children show up. So I know that there's power and your spirit, and you have a will, and you say, this is what's going to happen, and it happens that way. It's like um, you're asking a special permission from your creator, just let me stay until I can get the last one in front of me. So just amazing journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, yes. That's just so fascinating, you know, and it, it really does show that, like, the, the spirit is a very, very powerful thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's cool that your family got to have that experience, too. So that mm-hmm. way everybody got to have their final moments with yes. her. That's a blessing. Absolutely. Yes, 
And I also find it fascinating that it's a tradition that you get a knock. That's, it, you know, it's, uh, it's almost like uh, a way for your family to make sure that they know yes, yes, that yes. you know who it is and not yes. just some fluke knocking. That's so interesting yes. to me. I think the intergenerational part of that, though, is how do we transfer this information to new generations? So sure. my daughter's generation and, and their children's children, how do we transfer it without um, them being, uh, without them feeling fearful? Like, you know, I don't want to get a knock. <laughs> it's not that. It's the, that you must be in tune to the, to the elements so that you'll know that these things exist. Um, the house that we have, for example... Um, it felt good when we went to the house, the Susie King Taylor house. The first thing we wanted to know, what year was this house built? It said 1905. That's excellent because I was not going to entertain buying a planter's home mm. that was a slaveholder. And so when we walked in, you uh, immediately decide how does this house feel. And it feels very warm and inviting. Um, a gentleman came in the other night, and we were in there getting the painting and, and, just, and just getting things together. And he came in, and he immediately said, the house feels warm. Some good things happen here. And then he looked up the stairs, and he said, yes, there was a wedding here. And I said, was there? He said, yes. So I let him go into his element, and he said, you see, um, I was born with a veil over my eye. And as I walked into your house, I saw these women coming down the steps. And they were in wedding attire. So there were some good things that happened in this house. I did not feel afraid or anything. I believed him because my father was born with a veil on his eyes, he told me, which meant, of course, you know, the ability to see the dead. Mm -hmm. And I kept telling my dad, I hope I don't have that transference because I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> so I think that. My father must have had a meeting with the creator to say, don't let Pat see anything, but let her feel. So I can walk into a room and feel the energy of that room and know whether that's a good energy or a bad energy in terms of people that have been there. And so I'm grateful for that. And I would love to have the opportunity to um, teach new generations how to tap into their own energy so that they'll understand what is happening. It's not osmosis. It is your spirit connecting so yes absolutely I, absolutely you know it, a lot of our listeners are actually have asked in the past how how do you tap into that energy because um you know especially because I have that ability to see as uh well, well you know yes, it's yes. um a lot of people will say like well how do you how do you generate that and I'm like well it's not as easy as you would think and I, I'm sure you can agree absolutely you really have to be open to it especially because as you get older you have to put on these armors to protect yourself in life. And mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. more armor you put on, the less you can see and feel. So it's really having to unwork yourself. Yes, in order to get to the seeing. Well, I think, you know, at 60 and some change is what I say. I'm not going to tell you my real age. <laughs> women, you know, Gullah Geechee women, um, we are, say we are women of a particular age. But 60 and some change at this point. I want to take off all those coverings and then just actually move in the spirit of that. And so I do. It's like I have found a methodology to use my energy, my gift, so that even in political circles such as this square, um, nothing that has happened in this process has alarmed me because it's like I have this ancestral 
um, relaxation that we're just going through the process and all will be well. So when we have um, people that come up and say this is happening and that is happening and people don't want the square and cause, um, you know, threats. We've gotten some threats saying, you know, we don't want you to have the square. I've walked downtown on my tours and I've had a gentleman to come up to me so close to say, you better not make that a square. You hear me? And things like that. I have no, absolutely no fear of that. It's like I feel such an ancestral protection. It's like these are assignments. And so, therefore, I don't have a fear. But I also see that as I'm moving around, and even as he approached me, I saw my guardian protectors all around. It's like, like, dude, you need to move away. <laughs> you really do. So it's, um, I'm not going to put the covers on anymore. I'm just going to come with it because I think it's the season for me to do that. Absolutely. Well, it's so sad that people don't want the change to happen because, I mean, it's there. It, the history is there. It's yes. just honoring the history. It can be difficult, I guess, for some people to, it is. to move past. But, yes. you know, it's. Um, I also was wondering on a different side tangent, do, do your people believe in animals and spirits coming through as animals and stuff because I know at least um, in my belief system uh, that my grandmother comes to me as a cardinal as her way of showing herself and I wonder if you kind of have the same belief and how that translates oh my goodness uh yes so my daughters know that my favorite song is Denise Williams Black Butterfly I said, when I transition, you guys better play that song, you know. <laughs> but I, I believe they come back in animals of uh, forces and, and so butterflies. Um, my mother, my daughters always see a red robin or a bluebird, and they know that that is her. We really believe that they will appear whenever there's trouble. Um, I say to people who have lo- uh, lost a loved one, be in touch with your surroundings and if your beloved one and you were already connected before they transition, they are going to appear again. If you're standing somewhere and you're thinking of something or there's some trouble and you'll feel a cool breeze pass you, be in touch because those are your ancestors. Say their names. They are never away from you. They don't transition in terms of their spirit. So, yes, we do. Um, I was standing in the square one day and a red... Uh, breasted hawk came into the square and it actually swooped down in front of me and went up into the tree. It did not move. It just stayed there. And one of the guests said, that's a red-breasted hawk. Afterwards, I Googled, what does that mean? And the red-breasted hawk, they said, never comes down or doesn't come down very often too low. And, And so the thing came up, went down and came back up. It said, if a red-breasted hawk appears close to you, then you should prepare yourself to affect large numbers of people. There's something large getting ready to happen in your life, and it's going to affect a lot of people. Um, How do I interpret that? It was about a week before we decided to make the application to rename Calhoun Square. So I believe in the the spirit of, you know, animals coming in those formats as well. Absolutely. I do. You know, and and if you're not familiar to those listening, kind of what I was referring to, um, 
you know, it, it's kind of a, a, some people believe that, you know, it's just a way that loved ones can just show that they're around you. Yeah. Um, my grandmother is particularly persistent. Uh, and so uh, we have a cardinal that even here, she will peck at the window outside. She, wow. anytime she wants our attention, I don't even have to be here anymore. As long as JT's here or my family's around yes. or something, yes. she'll just peck, 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 peck. And she's just it's, trying to make sure that we know that she's there. So. I believe it. I believe it. I love when my daughters tell me the story. I saw a, a bird this morning and it just came right near me. And that's your spirit. That's your grandmother who loved you dearly. She is not going away. She's going to be right there to make sure. And we know that mm-hmm. uh, eventually when you transition, we'll look for black butterflies, I'm apparently. I'm going to show up, y'all. I'm going to show up. <laughs> black butterflies is what I, I was. I would show up as a black butterfly. Probably with little purple specks on me because I love purple, too. So, yeah, I'm going to show up. I love that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. What, what animal would you show up as, Chris? Oh, Lord. Uh, I haven't given that much thought. Um, <laughs> you know, I am always... Uh, absolutely entranced by uh, wildlife that seems out of place. You know, we have a fox uh, in my cul-de-sac. Oh. And it, every now and then when I see it, it seems very like portentous, like there's something important here. Because it comes out into our little cul-de-sac. Like I'm supposed to be here. Right, and, and sits right in the, the, the glow of, of the street light right in front of my house. Uh-huh. And I look at it and I'm like, hmm. That fox means something. That the fox is telling me something, but I don't know what it is. And we actually recently had a bird that came every day at around three o'clock in the afternoon and tapped on our window See. every day for I want to say three or four weeks. Wow! And so, I we got video of it. and We're like taking pictures of it because it, it was and it was like who's who's speaking? You know, right? What Absolutely. what can this be? You know, who in our in our collective you know experience needs to speak to us at this moment? And it was hard to tell, you know, uh, because, uh, not to sound terrible, but our lives are great. <laughs> you know, not to be smug, uh, but, you know, it didn't seem like there was was, was any indication of, of, of chaos. So it's like, is it just a loved one making their presence known? Right. Being yeah, there to say, absolutely. you know, it's, it's all, we're all connected and, yes. and together. Absolutely. See, I don't get any pretty foxes or anything around my house. I have a fat possum, and I don't think she means anything. But she <laughs> just looking for some food. Well, uh, absolutely. Anytime I see like a rabbit, when I see a rabbit, my brain just fizzes out uh, in the wild. I mean, if I see a rabbit in a cage, I kind of oh. But <laughs> when I see a rabbit, like you know, just like yeah, hopping along, yeah. it's it, it, something in my head's like significance. <laughs> and I, I think there are there are places in the country where rabbits are so. Uh, plentiful. plentiful that it doesn't seem but around here you see a rabbit it's not normal you don't yeah. see rabbits in this area often and so every now and then especially now over at the old muse mm. you'd see a rabbit every now and then you're like wow. oh that's something There's special some symbolism behind it yeah exactly I mean, even in dreams you know dreams are very powerful oh so yeah you just take heed and so in our Gullah community you have dreams you got to pay attention to the dream and so we grew up thinking things like of nana dreamed of a fish, she would come in the house and say, I dreamed of fish last night, and somebody's pregnant. Oh. And everybody would say, not me, not me. <laughs> but guess what? Somebody there was pregnant. Wow. Uh, if you dream of a naked man in a dream, it is the opposite. It's bad. That's a death. But it's the death of the opposite sex. So if you dream of a man, naked man, a woman's death is coming, and the opposite of transference. Um, if you dream of a snake, and in the dream you don't kill the snake, then that means be aware that you have an enemy. Watch yourself. 
uh, they'll say, did you kill it? And say, yes. Oh, well, then you don't have to worry. They're still your enemy, but they can't harm you. So there are dreams, all kinds of dreams of interpretation. And trust me, I have seen them all come true. Now, I have dreams. And I have run away from my interpretations in terms of telling people because I don't want to. But I can't anymore. So I have dreams. And the dreams that I have are dreams that, um, again, affect large numbers of people. So I don't want them to put me on a straitjacket, but I have dreamed of dreams of catastrophe. So when the 911 thing happened, I dreamed it before. I just didn't slow down to interpret it. I saw a plane go into a building. You can't tell that to people. They'll put you under arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dreamed of the assassination of Anwar Sadat. I saw it in advance. Really? Um, I've seen... I've had dreams of school shootings in advance. Not particularly where it is, but just children running in the scene. And so when that happens, what I do is immediately stop praying. Just pray right where we are uh, so that we can maybe reverse it from happening. But yes, um, in the Gullah community, they are very um, serious spiritually about dreams and interpretation of dreams. Numbers, oh my goodness, we dream numbers. Numbers are interpreted into numerology. So um, just moving in the spirit with animals, with numbers, um, with energies. I mean, it's real. It really is. I'm so happy that I'm not happy that you have chaotic dreams, but yes, you yes. know, it's, um, I'm so happy that you brought up the, the nine 11 dream though, because we recently had a listener send in a story about how she had the same dream and she said the same thing. She's like, how do you tell people that you had this dream yes. because you're like, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know where yes, it is. Yes. I just see that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, so I think that's great advice to, because I mean, all we could say was, you know, sometimes it just is what it is. Yes, and yes, some people yes. are gifted that ability, but it's good to hear from somebody who has actually experienced yes, that. Yes. Yes. Well, I think that, um, I also want to share though, that I think the creator kind of feels my impatience with things. And so now I don't have, like, clear, long dreams anymore. I am so honored that I'm now blessed where I just have a flash dream. Have you heard of a flash dream? Sure. It's like you just see a little piece of something, and it's enough. So I think the creator said, let me give her a flash because this child is getting impatient. (laughs) And so I've seen in my flash dreams victories. I've seen uh, this person getting a job. I've seen this person, um, you know, I've just seen their future right there, and, and it's right when I meet them. It's someone that I've just met, and as soon as I meet them, the flash will come, and I'll see the goodness of something that's going to happen. The question is, do I tell them? Wow. Or do you just say, I am so honored, and you're going to be okay, but I'll have a flash dream about it. I'll wow. have a flash dream about something that I see nationally. It's just no longer just the long dreams. It's a quick flash. And it's so clear. It's like visual. I can actually see it. Right. Amazing to me. You know, that's actually a good point to bring up is if you are gifted that ability, you know, sometimes it's not beneficial for people to know what they're going to get because they might not work in the path yes, that yes, yes. of, you know, what where they need to go to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do, you, how do you handle that situation, you know? If, well... You know what I have done, and I've done it a few times, and the people are fascinated with it. You can check it out. I asked for their birth dates, and I'll do a numerology reading for them so that they will know what their life path is. Sure. If you know your life path number, 
it helps you to be a little bit more relaxed because you can take that life path number, Google that number, and it will actually describe you, your personality and all of that, and it will tell you where you are in your life path. So you take your birth date, of course, and then you take this year, 2023, and you add them all the way across, number by number, to come up with one number. And then that one number is your life path number. You go in and you go with your life path number, and it's going to tell you everything about you. So there are life path numbers, there are spirit numbers, there are love numbers. Um, in your life path number, I want people to know that there is a nine to everything. Nine is a nine months to have a baby, nine cycles in terms of your life. What am I saying? I'm saying if you get your calendar out and you look at your calendar, everything that you've done have been in cycles of nine-year cycles. That means go back and look at your cycle of your calendar, and in nine years you have, you're supposed to change what you're doing because you're going through the cycle of that. Um, so this is my second year of my nine-year cycle. After the ninth year, I no longer will do this. I'll be shifted to do something else. Now, if I stay in that, it's my own fault because every nine years, you're supposed to be shifting your cycle of what you're doing based on your life path. And so it's fascinating. It's simply numerology, but it's actually ancestral uh, connections because they came to this country, the enslaved from other uh, 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 countries in the continent of Africa, and they had no communication with their relatives, so they had to depend on the elements. And so what did they do? They depended on the full moon and the stars mm. and numerology. They knew when to move, even on the Underground Railroad. It's nine cycle patterns, and so they looked for the rising of the full moon. And they knew that when the full moon rose in Savannah, it would illuminate the sky, and it gave them movement. So all of it was interconnectional in terms of the elements uh, in numerology. Absolutely. Absolutely. So check out the numerology. Check out your, your uh, life path on others. And what I have found when we have done these numerology readings, it, can, it tends to um, help the person to not be filled with anxiety. Why? Because if you know that there are nine uh, years in your path and you're on year number one, then you know that you've got eight more years to do what you're doing and to fine-tune it. Shouldn't that lessen your anxiety about things? Um, I think that's what our ancestors used as their way of sustaining and surviving in a strange land. They tapped into the elements. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, and that makes sense, too. And, you know, there was a time, too, where we weren't on this particular type of calendar system. Yes. So... It, it, we've all kind of had to shift ourselves to fit this mold of what society has decided is the proper system of going about things. But there's centuries of societies out there that yes. followed, you know, even just like lunar paths, uh, your your menstrual cycle path. You, yes. There's all sorts of different ways. It's kind of obvious that we got it wrong because there's a right. quarter of a day you know, right. At the end of our, our calendar, a quarter of a day that, that we didn't account for. Well, and that quarter of a day should be, yeah, it's off balance. It's our, off our calendar is kind of off balance by, you know, every four years we need that leap year just to get back into an uh -huh. order uh -huh. that is off by, <laughs> it's know, wrong. <laughs> by a quarter yes. of a day. Exactly. And that's fascinating enough because there are calendars that don't 
uh, have that uh, miscalculation. The Mayan calendar famously does mm-hmm. not have a leap National, year. Yeah, national calendars, for right. sure. Mm-hmm. Because they took into account that there's something in in the pattern, and so they have like you know a four day month and a you know twenty day month and a, uh, to represent how the energy flows. You know? I am so confident that they're probably less anxiety filled than most Americans. Because of sure, I, I imagine you're right. I, I believe that. I'm going to go home and find my life number when I get back. <laughs> Do that, you know, and um, you give it to your husband and let him read it so that he will see that it will describe you totally in terms of your personality, your energies. I mean, it's just amazing. Even when people read it, before they finish reading it, I let the other person listen, and I'm like, is that your friend? Does it describe your friend? Yes, that's her. That's her. Like, you know, it's amazing. It's kind of the same way when you read um, birth charts in astrology as well. It's. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are getting more into it because mm-hmm. it, you realize, you know, it's not just about your sun sign. It's encompassing all these aspects of your personality, Absolutely. and some of them change throughout your time. Yes. Um, you know, I think it's your north node in your birth chart mm-hmm. is also supposed to help you kind of understand what your purpose is in this lifetime yes. and what you need to let go of from, yes. you know, yes. past karma or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you believe mm-hmm. in. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. um, you have to let go of that yes. to fulfill your new purpose. So I wonder if knowing both of those information, you can oh, just kind of absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the more. Uh, information from the the sciences, the better. I don't want people to think, oh, it's just this religion or that. It's just the elements and the spirit field. And we have to get away from the hundreds and thousands of religions, per se. I'm talking about natural elements that protect us out here. Even if I raise my hand and you see my hand and you see these palms, I know how to interpret all of this. This is my lifeline, and it goes all the way here. So I'm rest of the assurance that I'm going to live a long time. I got a lot of things to do. Um, you know, every one of these are lines that describe your your whole journey right in your hand. So uh, real or make-believe, I know it because I've seen it in my family. I've seen them live to be in their 80s and 90s. Um, my great uncle lived to be 104 and just went home and went to sleep. I mean, uh, he was the griot, and the griot was the person – it transferred the knowledge to me, and he wasn't going to leave until he did that. So, yeah, I mean, he taught me all these things about life journey and uh, t- uh, tapping into the elements around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and interesting that you bring up palmistry and stuff, too. There's even markings, moles, freckles, and things like that that people like to say. Uh, like, I have one on my wrist, particularly. Mm-hmm. That, that you were born with? Yep, that I was born with. And uh-huh. that is a mark that all the women in my family who have abilities had. Come on now. Yeah, I know. It's, well, it's wild. <clears throat> you see this birthmark here? Um, if you look very closely, it looks like the continent of Africa. Mm. Let me just say that my great-grandmother was Princess Golden, and she was a slave in uh, downtown Savannah. She got off the ship in 1849, and they sold her to Shelman Bluff Plantation, so she became Princess Shelman. I kept asking family members, turn of the century after she was freed, 1900, when photography became a real thing, do we have any photographs? We found one, and it was of her standing with her husband in her freedom clothes, we call them. And it was so torn and you could not recognize uh, the features very well I wanted to take it to get it restored the gentleman told me he would have it ready in two weeks no problem um, 
About three days later, he called me back and said, it's ready, can you come get it? I said, oh, I thought you said a couple of weeks. I'll come on the weekend. So I went to get it on the weekend, and as I entered the store, everybody at the counter, like, just turned towards me, like, just like they were frozen. I still didn't know what was going on. When I went to the counter to get it, and he opened it and unveiled it, he cleaned up my grandmother's features and my grandfather, and I'm telling you that this birthmark was on my grandmother's head. Wow. And we look like twins. Wow. So much so, I don't think my daughters remember because they were very small, but I had placed her beautiful portrait on top of my fireplace. And as little babies, they would say, Mommy, put that down. Those eyes are following me. Or, that, that's you. I mean, put it down. So I had to take, the, take it down. It was too real. And again, this birthmark here, it's on her forehead as well. And again, if you look closely, it looks like the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I think it's um, an appointed um, uh, mark. It's like it confirms your assignment. And I'm not afraid. I'm good. Absolutely. Well, there are a lot of cultures. That point is so so significant in many, many cultures. Is that right? Yeah, the third eye, the uh, the being touched by God, being kissed by God. You know, there's lots of folklore and lots of spiritual beliefs that state that marks on the forehead do have very yeah, specific, well, you know, iconic purposes. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's... Um, so maybe look at your birthmarks and your freckles and your moles and see if your family members have it because a lot of times you will see some correlations and it's very interesting and cool. But I could see Sister Pat being kissed by God. So, oh, I mean, it's... That <laughs> wonderful? Oh, my goodness. So... I'm honored. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It, you're just always such a delight to have My on the show. Always, always. Anytime that I can share so people will understand that this journey that we're on is just that. We are all just traveling. Ashe. And please make sure to go visit her website if you want to sign the petition to get uh, the square name to Taylor Square, if you feel so compelled. Also, if you're in Savannah, make sure to check out the Susie King Taylor House, so that way you can go see the wonderful exhibit and things uh, that are going to be going on over there. There's going to be, I know if you have kids, there's going to be lots of activities for children and stuff, so it's a cool thing to do while you're here in Savannah, um, at the very least, but... Uh, With that, though, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.